Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the show. This is a very special edition that we're talking today, of course, about the horrendous events currently taking place in Palestine as the Israeli onslaught against the Palestinian people has only escalated. Now, I just want to do a quick, before we go in and bring in the guest, because the, the last thing that we're going to do today is hear my voice. I just want to make something very clear, because I think this has come up a lot before when I announced the show, I announced what we're talking about. People said, oh, well, Owen, what about other perspectives? Why can't we hear the other side of the argument and so on and so forth? Now, let's just, just set some ground rules about this. We often hear about the conflict, the conflict, the Middle East conflict. Conflicts presuppose two sides that are at least comparable. This isn't a conflict. This is a question of an occupation between a state which is illegally occupying and besieging Palestinian territories, denying the right of the Palestinian people to the most, one of those elementary rights of all, the right to national self-determination, and the occupied. One is a military superpower, which is armed to the teeth by Western powers and therefore knows it can and will get away with anything, with Joe Biden, much like Donald Trump, continuity in US foreign policy as ever, allowing and very publicly signaling that Israel can get away with virtually anything, up to and including, as we saw yesterday, the destruction of a building housing international media organizations. We see it with a death toll. It is every death is a tragedy, of course, including Israeli life. What we do have to make very clear is that, as ever, the number of Palestinian dead vastly outnumbers those who've died who are Israeli, again, for the very basic reason that this is not a symmetrical conflict. It is a conflict between a military superpower armed to the teeth by Western powers and an occupied people who clearly are not. Now, that's the basic ground rules we're beginning on. And the whole point of this channel from the beginning was to offer an alternative to mainstream media outlets for where you will all hear constantly the other side, if you like, which is the aggressor, the occupier, which is in violation of international law and armed to the teeth by our own governments. If that sounds frustrated, tough, but we have to just make that very clear. Um, now, what we're going to do is we're going to start straight away, as I've said, because we don't. And again, this is the point I think that needs to be heard, which is it's about which voices are heard. And we hear a lot of white Westerners in this so-called discussion. The voices who are almost always erased from this conversation are those of the Palestinian people themselves. This show is a limited attempt to redress that imbalance by handing the mic to Palestinian voices on the ground in occupied Jerusalem and in Gaza. 
And those are the voices that we're going to hear from today. So to begin with, I'm going to bring in uh, our first absolutely brilliant guest who we're very lucky to have, and that is uh, Faruz Shakawi. Please, hello. Firstly, can I just check, have I pronounced your name right? Do you tell me off of that? Almost. Faruz Shakawi. hello. It's great to see you. Now, you're obviously based, you're based in uh, Occupy Jerusalem. You're the director of Grassroots Al-Quds. So just tell me firstly, tell us a little bit about yourselves, just so the audience, either watching live or listening later, know who you are exactly. Yes, Grassroots Al-Quds is a Palestinian organization based in Jerusalem, and we are a platform for Palestinian community mobilization and networking in Jerusalem, because the way things are going in Jerusalem, it seems like everyone has a say about the destiny and the future of the city, except for the Palestinians living in it. So what we do is research Jerusalem, Jerusalem Palestinian community stories, current reality, challenges faced under the occupation, the Israeli occupation displacement policies against Palestinians. We also uh, support local mobilization within our communities and build networks between the different fragmented Palestinian communities in Jerusalem so that we can together envision the Jerusalem we want and start building long-term strategies for Jerusalem and uh, uh, translating them into reality. Our global mobilization focuses on giving the Palestinian perspective on Jerusalem, the true story of Jerusalem. We offer political tours and analysis of the policies in Jerusalem. So to begin with, and I think this is very important because the problem, as I'm sure you're well aware, the many limitations with the Western media and how it reports on what's actually happening in Palestine is it will suddenly erupt into the headlines um, without the background or context, which is often stripped. So do you just want to explain what was going on in occupied Jerusalem in the build-up before all of a sudden it suddenly appears in uh, Western media outlets, portrayed as, again, a conflict at best. It's Israelis and Palestinians. They're fighting again. Uh, again, often suggesting inequality of forces or even, to be honest, suggesting this is an onslaught by terrorists. Uh, so just give that context. What was going on in Occupy Jerusalem? Yes, I think what we are witnessing these days is a Palestinian uprising everywhere in the different occupied parts of, of Palestine. And this started uh, a bit uh, around a month ago in Jerusalem. I mean, this is all happening within a wider context. And I think that it is important to explain that the happenings of these days are not just incidents happening without a context. We are speaking about a context of more than 73 years of settler colonialism in Palestine. In Jerusalem itself, the Israeli occupation policies for Jerusalem are very clear. They aim at annexing as much land as possible, robbing and stealing as much land as possible with as little Palestinian presence on it as possible. So since 1967, when the eastern part of Jerusalem was occupied along with the Palestinian population living in it, <clears throat> excuse me, the Israeli occupation authorities started uh, designing and implementing policies of displacement against Palestinians from Jerusalem. Ethnically cleansing Jerusalem from its Palestinians is the Israeli official goal. Israeli official plans for Jerusalem state that they wish to maintain, achieve and maintain a so-called demographic balance between Jews and non-Jews, their terminology. And this imbalance, if I may correct the term, stands at 70% Jewish, 30% non-Jewish. In other words, 70% Israeli, 30% Palestinian, 
And in order to achieve this goal, Israeli occupation authorities have been dispossessing Palestinians, robbing our lands, confiscating our lands, demolishing our homes, suffocating our communities, not allowing our communities to naturally grow, suffocating our uh, economy, dictating the uh, curricula that our kids learn at schools, all of this in order to achieve that goal of displacing as many Palestinians as possible. Now, part of this story of displacement is the specific story of Sheikh Jarrah. This one neighborhood uh, strategically located just outside the old city that has been facing the threat of colonization since 1967. Actually, it has been colonized slowly, gradually, taken over by settlers since 1967. And the case, the specific case of six families from Sheikh Jarrah who are about to be expelled from their homes is what sparked protest in, in Jerusalem. Uh, last month, and uh, many Palestinians, not only from Jerusalem, also from other parts of Palestine, those who can access Jerusalem, started showing up and being present to give solidarity and back up to the Palestinian families in Sheikh Jarrah. Certainly, this protest and this presence is considered a threat by the colonizer. And so people visiting the families have been attacked by the Israeli army and police. Uh, occupation police uh, uh, throughout the uh, last month. This all was happening during the month of Ramadan, the holy month of fasting for the Muslims, uh, accompanied with uh, as, um, stories and reports and scenes. We have seen how the Israeli occupation forces have been attacking worshippers inside Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, um, basically going into Al-Aqsa Mosque with tear gas and sound bombs, and very uh, excessive use of power and violence and aggression, terrorizing worshippers inside Al-Aqsa. Uh, these conditions together have led to the spark of the protests in the streets of Jerusalem, especially around Damascus Gate, which is the main entrance to the old city. It is our city center. Damascus Gate area is where we practice our belonging and ownership uh, over Jerusalem, and that is why even sipping tea at the stairs in front of Damascus Gate was considered a threat by the colonizer again. So the army was there beating up Palestinians, uh, uh, again, using tear gas and sound bombs and whatnot in order to show eventually who the boss is, who controls Jerusalem. So I, I, I think it is important to understand the wider context. This has uh, uh, led to the revolution, if I would be uh, very optimistic these days and say that the revolution has spread and now there is confrontation with the occupier by Palestinians in the different parts of occupied Palestine. Gaza, the West Bank, the eastern part of Jerusalem as part of the West Bank, as well as 48 occupied lands. Now, I just want to ask something about the US response because everyone was very relieved when, of course, Donald Trump was defeated. But one of the many problems with US foreign policy is when have Republicans in the White House, not least one who's easily, you know, seen as this pantomime villain, like Donald Trump, there's more unity around the nefarious nature of that president's foreign policy. And then people breathe a huge sigh of relief at Democrats in the White House. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Now, uh, Joe Biden yesterday, just issued, I mean, this is a tweet. Today, the president spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, affirmed his strong support for Israel's right to defend itself against 
rocket attacks from Hamas and other terrorist groups in Gaza and condemn these indiscriminate attacks against Israel, Donald Trump could have issued the exact same thing. But interestingly, there is actually pressure within the United States, which is greater than it was before from the left. So more than 140 progressive groups released a statement calling on the Biden administration to denounce efforts to evict Palestinian families in Jerusalem and exert the utmost diplomatic pressure to prevent these potential war crimes from taking place. What's your view on, in terms of the US response, because obviously there is a backlash there, specifically to what's going on in Jerusalem and how that enables the Israeli state to get away with their actions in Jerusalem? Well, two things to say here. First of all, I don't think that there is a difference between Biden and Trump, really. I think it's just like when asked about Israeli politics, whether Netanyahu is better or someone else from the Israeli politics is better than Netanyahu. Eventually, what decides is the system, is the regime. And both, in this case, both both countries are settler colonialist projects who by default are going to uh, uh, have same the same politics on on certain issues, um, but at the same time, I, I mean, to to say something about the U.S., Trump has been like the lowering of a bar so low that people would celebrate anything else. But eventually, Palestinians did expect that this is what's going to happen. Biden's statements are not surprising to the Palestinians, and we do not expect the U.S. administration uh, to magically, suddenly change its position, its decade-long, decades-long position on uh, Palestine. In addition, I think that it is very convenient for the rest of the world to simply say, the U.S. is the villain here. The U.S. is the bad guy. The U.S. sends $3.8 billion every year in unconditional uh, uh, support and aid to Israel. And that is why, indeed, the U.S. is the number one enabler of the Israeli settler colonialist project in Palestine. Nonetheless, I think that we need to realize that different governments are showing this uh, back up and support to Israel. Uh, uh, to, to, to name just a few examples, uh, the Austrian parliament raising the Israeli flag uh, two days ago, the German as well as the French police uh, uh, cracking down heavily on protests supporting Palestinians in the streets of Berlin and Paris yesterday and the day before. I think that, again, it is not surprising. Governments are going to support each other, regimes support each other, and I think that we Palestinians should move our attention and our mobilization from the decision-maker level in other countries and focus on our allies in the streets. I think that uh, connecting struggles and connecting the grassroots of Palestine to the grassroots of other countries is our way to achieve real change. I think that statements by officials, again, also the very provocative statement by the European Union and other uh, governments, they are not surprising. They have always failed the Palestinian people. Our hope is in, in, in our brothers and sisters in the streets around the world that are raising a louder voice. These are the same people who are so thirsty, looking for 
reports on Palestine on social media, as you said before, because the mainstream media is simply chewing again, over and over again, the same old statements about what's happening in Palestine, supporting and promoting misinformation about what's happening on the ground. So I would say it's not surprising that governments are backing up the Israeli occupation government. And what needs to be done is for you, your vo their voters, go out to the streets and say, no, hell no, you will not support Israel in our name. Could you tell us what, what's happening on the ground on Occupy, in Occupy Jerusalem today? I mean, there's been reports of huge numbers of arrests uh, this morning uh, there. And also, I mean, that point you made about a generalised uprising, um, because what's, I suppose, new about, or relatively new, about what's happening at the moment is what's happened within Israeli Arab communities um, uh, where we've seen protests, again, uh, often attacked by the Israeli state. That, I mean, that's quite a new phenomenon, isn't it? So I'm interested to know what's happening on the ground in Jerusalem with this crackdown and, and what your thoughts about what's happening with, with, with those protests as well. Yes, well, first of all, we need to, to clarify that the confrontations with the Israeli occupation forces have not stopped in Jerusalem. Many Jerusalem Palestinian communities yesterday witnessed uh, <clears throat> such confrontations with the occupation forces. And that's exactly, uh, uh, that comes within the context of the Israeli heavy crackdown again on, on protesters. And yes, hundreds of Palestinians were arrested in Jerusalem in the past two weeks. In Palestine in total, uh, uh, there have been 1,500 people arrested uh, in the last couple of days since the confrontation started and spread all over Palestine. Uh, a huge number was in Jerusalem. I think around 800 of, of those 1,500 1, were in Jerusalem, around 400 in the West Bank and another maybe four or five or 600 in 48 occupied lands. I think that this, uh, and, and let's not forget the number of martyrs, yeah? Almost 200 Palestinians were killed by the Israeli occupation forces all over Palestine in the last few days. The highest number, of course, coming from Gaza. I think it's around 180 81 uh, uh, today, uh, around 11 or even a bit more uh, martyrs fell in, in the West Bank, especially on Friday, and one Palestinian was murdered by a settler in the city of Lid inside 48 occupied lands. So certainly uh, uh, the terrorizing of Palestinians includes also mass incarceration, uh, arrests that aim at terrorizing people and, and making people uh, uh, think twice before going out and protesting in, in the streets. Uh, let's not forget that protesters face real threats to their safety and to their lives being in the street at, as well, because before the arrest comes, the rubber-coated bullets come and uh, uh, other arms and weapons that the Israeli army uses against protesters in, uh, in, in Palestine. So I think it is important for people following the news from outside of Palestine to understand that this is not just another so-called war between Hamas and Israel. I mean, I think people need to understand that Hamas is part of the Palestinian people. And uh, 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 what's happening today is not just uh, 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 the retaliation between Hamas and uh, the, the occupation state of Israel. What's happening today are also protests in cities like Haifa, Elid, 
Akka, Kufur, Kenna, Emil, Fahim, all of these are 48 occupied uh, cities. Also, all over the West Bank, there are Palestinian protests and demonstrations and confrontations with the occupation army. And uh, uh, of course, the eastern part of Jerusalem as well. As I was saying, confrontations continued also yesterday, last night. Uh, uh, and also Gaza is resisting. So I think it's important that people understand that this is not just uh, a, a so-called conflict between Hamas and Israel. What is happening right now is a Palestinian uprising against 70 plus years of colonization, of dispossession, of oppression, of humiliation, and Palestinians have had enough. I think that it is great to see that the Israeli plans, the Israeli budgets for creating false consciousness uh, in Palestinian minds, creating different political realities is part of the divide and conquer against Palestinians. So creating different political realities, making different Palestinians believe or feel that they are living different struggles. I, I think what we are witnessing in the last few days is all of Palestine saying, after tens of years and tens of billions of shekels or dollars or pounds or whatever currency we, we can use, I think that it is a proof that all of this has been failing. The Israeli policies have been failing and the Palestinian people, against all odds, continue to uh, 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 not only feel but also act as one colonized people under one colonization and occupation with one struggle for freedom and self-determination. Um, one of the questions, just just finally, I mean, just twofold. Uh, someone asks Rajia, and thanks for the support, everyone. Do you think a change in Israeli leadership would make a difference for Palestinians if it was the right kind of leadership? I know you've partly partly answered that, but just in terms of what your thoughts are in terms of uh, you know maybe solidarity that you've had from within Israel and and the importance that or the significance of that, and finally where. Where do you th where next? What are your hopes? Because many people watching this will will see, will have you know resistance from in terms of these in Jerusalem. We've seen these huge protests, uh, organized protests. These the Israeli government will clamp down. They will have the support of Western governments, and the occupation will continue. The evictions, the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from occupied Jerusalem will continue. Those protests that I've said will be will be further clamped down, mass arrests, and 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 that will be the end game. So, what what do you have any hopes that that outcome could be different this time? Well, regarding the change in, in Israeli politics, again, as I said before, I don't think there is a difference because we are talking about a Zionist project in Palestine and there are no voices that are anti-Zionist within the Israeli politics. Uh, and so I don't think there is a difference between Netanyahu or anyone else. Uh, go back to history and uh, look up what Paris the uh, uh, Nobel Prize uh, uh, winner did in South Lebanon, in Ghana, and he was supposed to be left. He was supposed to be left-wing. So, no, I th that's exactly my point. By default, Israeli politics and the Israeli system is Zionist, and that is th that means racist and uh, oppressive to the Palestinian people. So there is no hope coming from changing faces or voices in Israeli politics. Now, regarding what's next, I think that it's very important and clear uh, these days that on our side as Palestinians, we need to invest in 
community organizing. Again, our own political leadership is certainly not uh, uh, working in our favor. It's not really representing the Palestinian people. It is the first obstacle on our way to, to liberation. But I do, we do believe in grassroots organizing and we believe in community organizing. And that's exactly what has been working in the streets in the last few days. We have seen many proofs uh, uh, to that. So I think that we need to organize our communities. We need to build the infrastructure, the popular grassroots infrastructure that will hold and uh, uh, sustain a revolution. And we have already witnessed how there are committees being created in the different Palestinian cities, committees that aim at defending people when settlers and police attack them, committees that uh, include lawyers to look after arrestees, uh, or medics and uh, uh, doctors and nurses to be there when they are needed, when ambulances are blocked by the Israeli occupation army and many other types of committees. It reminds me of the spirit of the first intifada, which was a beautiful example of proper community organizing. I think that we today understand or are reminded more than ever that there is a need to build this infrastructure and to do that type of organizing on our side. When it comes to what can be done from outside of Palestine to support Palestinians, and you know, I think that there are two main things that people can do. First of all, make some noise. As I said before, go out to the streets and tell your decision makers that they cannot support the atrocities and the crimes and the colonization of Palestine in your name unless you accept it and agree to it. Secondly, and, and again, this support by governments can be both diplomatic and also material and economic by dealing and uh, uh, having business with the uh, uh, occupation state of Israel. Secondly, I think that what also enables and, and supports the Israeli colonial project in Palestine are all of those international corporations that are invested in the settler colonialist project that are benefiting from the Israeli occupation of Palestine. And I think that they need to be held accountable as well. You know, I've been living in Jerusalem for 20 years now. And uh, oftentimes I see those tear gas canisters used by the Israeli army and occupation police here in Jerusalem, tear gas canisters manufactured by a, an, a, an American company based in Pennsylvania in the United States. Two days ago, we found one of these canisters was found in the city of Imm al-Fahim inside 48 occupied lands. So I think that this is just one example of one corporation that is benefiting from the Israeli uh, uh, oppression of Palestinian people. I think these corporations are also the responsibility of the people in those countries where these corporations are coming from. I think that more than anything, the uh, uh, economic boycott, the cultural boycott, the uh, 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 um, cu cultural, academic, economic boycott of Israel are tools that people must use uh, outside of Palestine. I think that people need to be brave and to counter the uh, uh, anti-BDS legislations and crack down by their own governments on their own freedom of expression. And people should be able to raise a loud voice and say, not with my taxpayer money and not with my consumer money, you will not support what is happening in Palestine. Oh, we really appreciate you joining. I know you're incredibly busy and, um, you know, 
as I've said, it's so important that we have your voice given at the moment the discussion here in many Western states is very much erasing the the, voices such as your own. Please stay safe out there and uh, huge solidarity and take care. And it was a huge honor to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Owen. Bye-bye. Take care. Um, We're now going to be joined by another voice. And again, as I've said, these are voices people need to hear because when people talk about balance, what do we mean by balance? Uh, What kind of balance is it when the voices of those in Gaza particularly are completely airbrushed from this conversation? Gaza is spoken about often, but very rarely by people who actually live in Gaza. And we're going to challenge that. And we're really, really honoured uh, to have Afaf with us here. Hello, Afaf. Can I? Are you there? Yes, we've got you. Hello, Afaf. Hello. Hi. Me? Hey. Can I just check how to say your last name firstly? Because I was going to say it, and then I realised I was going to get it wrong. Again, please. Oh, so sorry. I was going to say how just to make sure I pronounce your nas- your surname correctly. Yeah, my my name's Afaf Najad. Great to see you. Thanks so so much for joining us. Afaf, just quickly, could you just explain to people watching or listening, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're speaking from at the moment. Just just describe a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, my name is Afaf Najjar. I'm an 18-year-old student. I study English in Al-Aqsa University here in the Gaza Strip. Um, I live in Khan Yunus, which is uh, the city to the south of the Gaza Strip. Um, I'm working as uh, a writer with We Are Not Numbers, um, where we write the stories behind the numbers in the news, where we tell the stories behind the numbers of those people who get murdered by the Israeli occupation and um, just tell the rest of the world that these are not just numbers, these are, these are not uh, just statistics that you see in the news, but people with dreams, with hopes, with ambition, ambitions that were destroyed because of everything that's going on here. Um, so yeah. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Um, I mean, again, I should say it's such an honor to have you and to have you here, and particularly when at the moment you're under uh, armed attack from the Israeli state. So it's a huge, it's huge, hugely appreciated by not just myself, but everyone watching and listening. Afaf, can you just tell us a little bit before we talk about what's currently going on? You're 18 years old and all you've known all your life is either, well, both siege and occupation. 
So do you just want to describe the kind of experiences that people who are 18 years old in, in Britain have never had to endure, never had to go through? Just tell us a little bit about those experiences. All right. Um, the first war I've ever witnessed uh, as a child was in 2008. As, as you know, um, there have been words, wars in 2008, 2012, and 2014, and now 2021. Uh, the first one I witnessed was um, in 2008. I was seven years old. And since that day, like since that age, and even earlier, I had to um, make sure to know what to do at the time of the bombing because um you know it's continuous bombing for a couple of days when it's war and um what we had to do was to stay in one room together like the whole family would get packed in one room together so that if we die or if we get killed at least we die together um what is happening currently in the gaza strip is continuous bombing to different places um, actually, all over the Gaza Strip, all over the uh, the different cities of the Gaza Strip. It started on Monday and it still continues uh, until now. Just uh, like minutes ago when Fairuz was talking, there was uh, a lot of bombing like in my area around my house. And uh, this morning, actually, I was I was uh, woken up to the sound of bombing. I had just slept. I had just finally had some uh, time to sleep because I'm constantly... Um, you know, posting on social media and busy with uh, the media and stuff so I don't get time to sleep. So when I finally decided to sleep and I put my phone down and I put my head on the pillow, the bombing started. So I had to wake up and run downstairs to sit with my family. Um, I live with my grandparents and my mom and two brothers. And to be honest, at such a time, I'm unable to, you know, attend to every one of them because um, I'm the, uh, the oldest. Um, among my among my family, like uh, we, I'm the the oldest child, let's say, or the oldest grand uh, daughter in the house. So I have to take care of both my grandparents, my brothers, my mom, and even my cousins who live with us as well. And sometimes our neighbors have to come from their house to stay at our place because it's apparently safer. Uh, so as I said before, we get packed in one room, all of us. Um, you know, my grandma and uh, our neighbors start praying. Uh, they start asking God to keep us safe and stuff. And usually I go on live videos to just, you know, uh, record everything and post it so that uh, our voices and our message could be delivered to the whole world. Um, so, yeah, this is what's going on in the Gaza Strip. They are bombing residential towers. They are uh, attacking, um, you know, citizens who are completely innocent. Um, a lot of people have died. A lot of places have been bombed. They're literally bombing anything that gives life to the Gaza Strip. They're bombing streets. Um, the street that my university is in was bombed. My university was bombed as well. Uh, so yeah, this is how it is in the Gaza Strip right now. When Israel, the Israeli state, argues that the targets it's attacking are military targets, they're Hamas legitimate targets, what would you say, based on your own experiences of what's actually happening on the ground in Gaza? And just tell us a little bit about, I mean, how much, and it's a glib question, but, you know, the everyday fear, what that's like over the last few days. As you said, you try to go sleep, you hear the bombing begin. How much fear there is just in the communities of, of, of the Gaza Strip at the moment? Um, 
Now, regarding the first part of your question about how they're only bombing uh, military uh, places, that's completely false. That's definitely a lie. Um, the the most or the three most famous uh, residential towers that were uh, attacked were Al Hanadi, Al Jawara, and Al Jala. If I remember correctly, these are residential towers with people, with citizens living in them. Um, and they all are homeless now because of what happened. This is the first thing, residential towers. They are bombing uh, citizens and their houses on top of their heads. They are bombing banks. I don't think that banks have anything to do with um, any political aspect of uh, the Palestinian struggle. They are bombing mosques. They are bombing streets. They are bombing schools and universities. So I'm not sure like, if the world sees this as um, a military place or a military, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. I just, I think that this is the truth, despite what they're trying to uh, convince people of in the media. Um, now about, about how scared the situation is here, as I said, we've already witnessed four wars and a lot of other assaults and raids on the Gaza Strip. Uh, other than the wars, the wars themselves. And even though we have witnessed them for so many times, we never, and I mean never, get used to it. You can never get used to the sound of the bombing. You can never get used to seeing people um, die. You can never be used to seeing the blood and the limbs all over the place. You can never be used to seeing destruction and your, and seeing your you know, most favorite places uh, in your country destroyed so it's very scary and it continues to get scary and to be honest the one thing i'm scared of the most is losing one of my family members more than losing my own life i'm scared to one day wake up and have to live without one of my family or one of my friends um this is one thing the second thing i'm scared of is uh to have to live for example without an arm or without a leg or without eyes because this is happening to palestinians this is happening happening to children right right now in the gaza strip um so i mean i thought we know that at least 74 children have died in the gaza strip over over the last few over the last few days mm -hmm. um i mean I mean, I'm curious your response to, you know, yesterday, Israel, as you say, they bombed one, one of the towers, they bombed housed international media organizations. Yes. They gave one hour's notice, it included Associated Press, I understand actually, I think the BBC, um, and uh, Al Jazeera, who then broadcast live the bombing, the destruction of their own, of their own offices. I mean, what's your thoughts given... Given the way the Western media is often reporting on what's happening within uh, the Palestine, the occupied Pal uh, occupied Palestine, within what's happening in Gaza, what what's your take on 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 Israel feeling so emboldened that they think they or they know not they think they know they can get away with bombing, not just killing civilians who have been thoroughly dehumanized by much of the Western media, but they can get away with bombing media organizations. Okay, uh, so. I'm just going to mention this because um, it made me so extremely scared yesterday. My friends, a, a lot of my friends live near to that building, um, Angela building, and um, I've seen how they were tweeting and telling like their friends that, hey, we left our homes because of 
uh, you know, uh, the, the bombing that's going to happen. So what Israel does or the Israeli occupation does is that they call the owner of the building. They tell him, we're going to bomb your building, so you better leave. Um, and from what I've heard, that the owner of the building actually asked them for more time because, you know, the building is full of equipment and full of things that they need for uh, their work. And he asked them to give them some more time, to give the Palestinians some more time to, like, uh, take things out of the building and um, make people leave. And they said no. Uh, and in my opinion, these calls are not actually made to help to, for example, make the Palestinians safe. They're actually made to make them get scared, to make them uh, terrified. So it's it's basically a mental war um, for the Palestinians. Now, regarding what's happening in the media, I'm sure that most of you have heard about the censorship that most of the uh, social media platforms are practicing on anyone who's posting about Palestine the reach of stories and the views of stories are becoming way less than they were before. Anything that has the word Palestine or the hashtags uh, in it is uh, not reaching as many people as the like other posts are. Um, many of us are not allowed to go on live videos. Many of us are getting their accounts deactivated and blocked. Um, and unfortunately, as you said just now, yes, Israel knows that they can get away with such things because the media, especially in the Western um, world, is helping them. The media is supporting Israel and not supporting Palestine. And this is why it's very important for people um, who live abroad and even for people who live in the Gaza Strip to try and, you know, post about what's going on, to try and go on live videos, to try and, um, you know, go on interviews and podcasts like these uh, to make sure that the, mo that the momentum doesn't die. Uh, so in my opinion, it's it's really all on us now. It's it's on us as citizens and us as people who are pro-Palestinian, uh, pro-Palestine, sorry, um, because we are not getting as much recognition as the Israeli people are getting. We are not uh, getting as much support from, you know, the big, uh, let's say, TV channels and so on as they are. So yeah, it's it's totally our responsibility now, and it's my responsibility as an eighteen year old. Year old, it's it's uh, my brother's responsibility as uh, a sixteen year old. Even my little brother, who's nine, is making videos and trying to post um, like on his accounts to tell the rest of the world what's happening. And I think kids like us, because I still consider myself a kid, uh, despite everything that I have to go through, kids like us shouldn't be obligated to begin with to do such things. We should be living in peace. We should be living in our hometown peacefully and and with no, you know, with no fear. So, yeah, that, that's that's basically what I think about this. Absolutely. Um, I another question I wanted to put to you was when you hear in media reports this description of a conflict, it's what I said earlier. It's this idea of two sides, both locked in a battle with each other. Yeah. One side is, uh, you know, Israel is bombing, but also Hamas is sending missiles. And this is an equal conflict between two belligerents. What do you, what's your, from your own lived experience, what's your, what's your react? What would you say to someone who portrays this as essentially a conflict between two, two forces uh, who are comparable to each other? Okay, um, 
So I don't like to talk about Hamas and I don't like to talk about anything related to politics. But to be honest, it's time for us to speak up. Hamas is part of the Palestinian, is, is a big part of the Palestinian people's lives. And um, it was legally elected to, uh, you know, um, be in the government. Uh, now, re regarding how they're talking about war and they're talking about conflict, it's not a conflict. It's a Palestinian struggle. It's not a war. It's an aggression. Because when you're talking about a conflict or talking about war, you're talking about two sides that are completely equal. And Palestinians and uh, the Israeli occupation are not at all in any way uh, equal in this uh, aggression that is going on. Because, you know, like... Only the the rockets that are launched from the Iron Dome in Israel they cost about um, I think from thirty five to fifty thousand dollars and the rockets that are made in uh, the Gaza Strip are actually handmade they're made here in the Gaza Strip with no help of anyone so it's not the same they have places to run to uh, like basements and stuff to run to when shelters when uh, there is bombing. Um, they have the Iron Dome to block any rockets that are, um, you know, launched from the Gaza Strip to Israel. So it's it's not the same and it's not equal. And it's it, they have way more power, especially like military power uh, than we do in the Gaza Strip that they talk about how, you know, Hamas is killing people in uh, Israel. The amount of people killed just in these few days by the Israeli occupation is way more, and I mean way more, than the amount of people who died um, in Israel in the past 10 years. So please start using the right terminology when you're talking about the Palestinian struggle, because um, this is the only way we can hold the Israeli occupation accountable to what they're doing to the Palestinian people. Finally, Afaf, because I know, I mean, we're, we're very honoured and privileged that you've had time to speak to us. And I know other people are, are, are going to be talking to you shortly. What in practice, we, we had mass demonstrations this weekend, both in Britain, mm -hmm. where up to 150,000 people marched, uh, but also other countries in France, even though they, they faced uh, a violent crackdown by the French police. But there have been protests, all, all, sit, towns and cities all over the world yesterday. Huge numbers of people came out despite the pandemic and the restrictions that imposes. Um, but what would you like to say to people who don't know what to do at the moment? They feel a bit lost. They see these terrible images on TV, on social media. They hear voices like your own. What would you like people to do? Okay, so um, I've been trying to tell my friends uh, how they can help and what they can do. And it's really easy, you guys. It's it's really easy to do it. It doesn't even take that much of a t that much time. Um, Basically, and, and the, the easiest thing you can do to help is to post on social media, to tell the rest of the world what's going on, to keep reposting what we as Palestinians post, to try and, you know, um, raise our voices and deliver the message to a wider audience. Uh, this is the first thing. So post on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, wherever you can. This is the first thing. Um, and please, when posting, again, make sure you use the right terminology. It's not it's not war. It's an aggression. It's not conflict. It's a struggle. It's not uh, evictions. It's forced expulsions and um, ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. Um, and again, the only way we can hold them accountable for what they're doing is by using the right terminology when talking. 
Um, another thing is people who can talk multiple languages or a couple of languages, like I, I'm able to speak Arabic and English and I'm translating from Arabic to English. So if you talk more than one language, please try to translate um, like the news and what's going on to the languages you speak in order for us again to reach to a wider audience and to more people. Um, you can post about Palestine and you can support Palestine in your own way. Let's say if you're an artist, uh, you make paintings, you draw, do that. Draw about Palestine, paint about Palestine. If you're a singer, sing about Palestine and post these singings you're doing. If you're able to speak nicely and fluently and in a, con in a convincing way, try to go on live videos. Try to, uh, you know, join podcasts like these. And if you have big platforms um, on social media, try to give the Palestinian people a chance to go on live videos with you to explain to the rest of the people about what's going on in the Gaza Strip. Um, people who can go on protests, I've seen a lot of protests um, that are amazing in the UK, in the USA, in France, in um, Germany and in Turkey, and they're amazing. Uh, please send me videos if you could of these things because I I post them uh, on my social media and they really really help us to you know uh, keep our steadfastness and to feel supported and to feel like our voices are actually uh, reaching to people. Um, people who can donate. Uh, please do that as well, but make sure that your donations are going to the right places. Make sure that your donations are actually arriving to the Gaza Strip and to Palestine. And please don't stop posting about Jerusalem. The Israeli occupations, the, the Israeli occupation is actually using what's happening in the Gaza Strip to distract people from what's happening in Jerusalem and the Sheikh Jarrah. So please don't stop posting about Jerusalem as well. Try to post about both both places about Palestine um, as a whole, the occupied Palestine, the occupied territories and Jerusalem and the West Bank and about Gaza as well. And people who can boycott, please boycott. Boycotting is very important and it puts a lot of pressure on the Israeli occupation. Um, the last thing that I'm going to talk about, and it's very important as well, if you could go on Google Play and uh, App Store, uh, like Apple Store on your phones and rate these platforms one star and write something about Palestine, that would help a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but um, at the beginning of everything that was happening, uh, Instagram was actually not allowing some hashtags to be used, like Al-Aqsa hashtag, uh, but because of what we were doing and because uh, we kept like... Um, uh, rating it with one star they actually uh started letting us use the hashtag again and they uh started to um they actually posted uh to clarify why they're actually not allowing these uh specific hashtags to be posted and they talked about Sheikh Jarrah so if you could do that as well that would be highly appreciated um thank you so much uh for you know, hosting me and thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk and to tell you about what's going on. We really appreciate every little thing that you guys are doing and we see it and we uh, are so thankful that you guys are showing your support and solidarity to the Palestinian people. We really, really appreciate it. And I know having read the comments, uh, how overwhelmed people are by by what you said, it's made a, a very big impact. And I really do hope people will will act on what you so eloquent, eloquently described a lot of people are asking in terms of social media how to follow the work of we are not numbers which of course you're part of and it's very straightforward it is we are not numbers if people go to at yeah. we are not numbers on on twitter they'll be able to follow that and and support we are not numbers there and also elevate the voices that you've you've described yeah. if i stay safe and um, huge huge solidarity um 
can't even begin to imagine what you've had to endure, what what you're enduring right now. But you have the love and support of countless people all over the world. And I hope at a time like this, that that means something. But all, all my solidarity and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care now. Take care. I mean, as she says, no 18 year old should be having to endure or describe these things. Uh, 18 year olds should be living normal lives, spending time with their friends, studying, having fun. And that's not the experience of people like Afaf. And the dehumanization of the Palestinian people in all of this is something that has to be called out because at times like this, people do show themselves and reveal themselves. And if the, that so many or so much commentary is based on essentially the fact that Palestinian lives are not of equal worth to the lives of Westerners, for example, or even close, is racism. And it should be called up, called out as such. And that, I'm afraid, is being used to justify a decades-long illegal occupation of Palestinian lands, the deprivation of the Palestinian right to national self-determination, and the siege of Gaza, uh, which, again, is infringing on the rights of the people of the Gaza Strip to live lives approximating something which could be regarded as normality and security. And these things have to be called out. Look... Médecins Sans Frontières, the fantastic NGO, just reported that their medical facility has been bombed overnight. Those sorts of actions are war crimes, and they should be called out as such. And of course, what we all need to be fighting for is a secure and just and lasting peace, giving peace and security to Jews and Palestinians alike in the Middle East. And we're not having that conversation because as things stand, the Israeli state knows it can get away with almost anything. And it is getting away with almost anything because Western governments, most notably the United States, have given them a, a blank check to do exactly that. And that's why it's so important we have these voices on the ground in occupied Jerusalem and in Gaza to, to provide the balance, if you like, which is sorely missing when what we are talking about is an occupied people who are under attack by a military superpower denying their right to exist as an independent nation. Um, we're going to leave it there. Just to wrap up, though, we've got lots of uh, interviews and videos coming up uh, this week. We'll have lots more coverage of what's going on, uh, I'm sure, in, in Palestine. Do act on what Afaf uh, has said in terms of what people can do and use use your voices as best as you can. Um just before I sign off, usual housekeeping. If you're watching live, do like the video. It encourages other people to watch the video and therefore listen to those voices. Do subscribe uh, to the channel and get the notifications. Uh, and do support us if you can on Patreon uh, so we can do the documentaries we have planned uh, and our video output. Um, and uh, you can also have a say over who we talk to and who we interview and what topics we focus um, upon. Do also, if you can, listen to the podcast, subscribe, uh, leave ratings, five star. Again, that kind of thing just helps people listen to these voices. Um, 
And as I've said, do listen to these voices, elevate these voices, and let's make sure that they're heard. Um, I will be seeing you live next Sunday as ever at 12 o'clock if you're watching us live. Uh, um, But throughout the week, we'll have videos, interviews, and on the podcast as well. Take care, everyone. Free Palestine. See you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, do support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84. Help us decide who we talk to, what we talk about, the documentaries we do, uh, and also on the supporter function, uh, which you can see in the description. And leave us five stars and a review. It just helps other people listen. Uh, and with that, thank you so much. Speak soon. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.